All right, everybody, you have just tuned into the Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast presented by Deck Roofing Incorporated of South Florida. And um, I, I have an idea things are going to be very interesting on this show because despite the fact that the Pittsburgh Steelers are 6-0 and and are the only unbeaten team left in the NFL, I think there are a lot of things to discuss. Um, and, and certainly we will get to those, uh, Ben is with me right now and Ian will be joining, uh, very shortly, but, um, the Steelers defeat the Titans 27 to 24 after having a 27 to seven lead. And that slowly evaporated over the course of the second half. And I, I, I guess, uh, Ben, that's probably the best place to start, um, even though I don't want to take away from the fact that the first half was really a beautiful thing to watch, quite frankly, offensively. But uh, go ahead, give me your uh, sentiments on the game Sunday in Nashville. Offensively, defensively, every way, the first half was pretty nice. It really, really was. And, you know, the Titans couldn't convert a third down to save their lives. Uh, everything was fantastic till that last play where Ben threw a pick, oh, um, you know, and that, that happens, you know, I mean, that, that quite literally was a hail Mary play. I didn't like the decision there either, to be perfectly I, honest. I wish he were taken, taken a, uh, you know, uh, taking a short pass, counted on somebody getting out of bounds or running up and spiking the ball and then kicking mm-hmm. the field goal. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cause he didn't have the shot at the end zone that he wanted. Right. He took a chance cause he had a lead. Um, the team that good, I'd rather he didn't take those kinds of chances. You know, you, you yep. put your foot in their throat and you hold them down and, and you you move forward. Now, the second half wasn't quite as pretty, but <laughs> – and I do want to point this out before we start talking about this. I'm going to open something, though. Ah, yes. Um, uh, the, the Titans really got a lot of lucky bounces, <laughs> a lot of tipped balls. Yeah. I'm serious. A lot of tipped balls. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it in my life. Yeah. A, a lot of things could have gone really badly, and the Titans still could not manage to come back. Right. And they kept getting break after break after break after break. And some of that was on the Steelers. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. yeah. And some of that was the Titans making plays. And a lot of it was just luck. Ugh. And they still could not come back. Couldn't do it. Um and yeah, the, the kicker choking at the end, that was beautiful. And and we would have gone to overtime and, and they would have had some momentum. But oh yes. I still I don't buy necessarily that the Steelers would have lost. I'm sorry. No, no I think it was and a, it's yeah. it's starting to and again it's being positive, mm-hmm. it's starting to feel like this could be a very special season. Being completely serious. And I'm probably the most skeptical person yeah. on this podcast. And I will just yeah. tell you guys that this is really starting to feel like there's something here, like something's fading. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. I don't still, I still don't think they're going to go undefeated. I've said that all along. I still yeah, do not believe I, that. Uh, at some point, they will lose. Hopefully not this week because I hate the fucking Ravens. But yeah, yep. you know, they they're going to lose at some point. And yeah, yeah, you're trying to make a point here. So go ahead. What's up? Well, I, I, it's not even, I, I think what it is, is I'm trying to keep myself from ranting because it, it, it's a really minor thing, but I keep going back to the end of the first half and, and, and you elaborated on this already. 
you know, you're at the 32 yard line. You got 14 seconds left. You're up uh, 27 to seven. And, and, and I'm just thinking to myself, okay, go ahead, drop back. If, if you've got, let's say Chase Claypool one-on-one with a DB, throw it up into the end zone where either he's going to get it or nobody's going to get it. Okay. Yep. And then just kick the damn field goal. Or Eric Ebron. Well, from that point, Mark, it was a 54-yarder. Yes, yes. And and what I'm getting at is either do that or, as you said, get take the out route. Um, did we? And and just 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 take the long field goal opportunity because now if you make that, you're up 23 points. Exactly. Now you really put pressure. Well, you you would have been up 20 points at that point. Well, it was it wasn't at twenty seven to seven at that time. No, it, it was it was twenty four seven. They got another field goal in the third quarter. That's right. Okay, so it would have put it shit. That destroyed my argument. So, uh, but but still, I mean, you're up you're yeah. up twenty points if you kick right. that field goal there. Right. I agree with you. Rather than going for six, he he should have just said, okay, if it's not there, I'm going to take a ten yard gain mm-hmm. and we'll kick a forty some odd yard field goal yeah. rather yeah. than you know and get some points here, which we shouldn't yep. really have even gotten. But our defense, no, it was a gift. Yeah, our defense had a stand, and, and now we've got the ball back. So let's get some points. And, you know, it, it just – he didn't. And sometimes Ben is greedy, and he's yep. only human, and it's oh, it's okay sure. to acknowledge that, in my opinion. It, it, it is, and, and we're, we're going to acknowledge that a little bit more and when we, we talk about the fourth quarter uh, interception here in a minute. But let me welcome uh, Ian in. Uh, Ian, we, we've gotten basically as far as um, um, talking about the lucky bounces the Titans uh, had, and and uh, we were just kind of breaking down, uh, you know, the the end of the first half there. Um, yeah. So so welcome in. But uh, your your general thoughts on the uh, game in Nashville on Sunday? Well, <laughs> you know, I'm thrilled that we won. I expected it to be a, a close game and the final score was close, but yep. um, that wasn't really indicative of how the game went. It was really a tale of two halves that we dominated the first half and they dominated the second half. Mm-hmm. And we more or less held on for victory, but we got a win and we're the only unbeaten team. So I can't complain too much no. about it. it no. As Mike Tomlin said, it's better to learn lessons when you're winning than when you're losing, because <laughs> as we know full well, you know, the margin of victory in the NFL the difference between 10 and six and six and 10 is actually not that much. It's like a couple bounces here and there. And I'm not saying we'd be as bad as the jets, but like (laughs) if, if you think about it, like, okay, look at Minnesota, Minnesota was hailed as like one of the, you know, they were a playoff team last year. A lot of us predicted that they would make the playoffs again this year. I did. They're one in five, like, you know, so it's having a fire sale and having a fire (laughs) sale. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, nice arrested development reference to that. <laughs> I applaud that. Coming in strong here. Uh, but that being said, you're you're right. Tennessee got a lot of lucky bounces, including there were a couple turnovers our defense could have had that oh, balls yes. hitting cornerbacks in the hands and a couple fumbles that Tennessee was able to fall on. That being yep. said, we got a little lucky too. James Conner fumbled. He was able to recover. Chase Claypool had a really bad fumble that was 
easily a, a returnable for a touchdown kind of fumble. Yeah, that's right. Out there uh, yep. That he was able to get back and, and get on as well. So we did get a, a couple bounces. It wasn't like we got none, but we, we also got, a, got that bounce at the end of the game where they missed the kick. Come on. Ben, you're stealing my thunder here. I was going to say, we got, we got the most important one, <laughs> which was right. revenge for Joe Nedney. Fuck that guy. We got the, we got he the said, re- fuck again. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> love it so <laughs> it's yeah we got, we got the the biggest one that mattered which was them missing the field goal at the end yeah and, and hey you know what i i hate that i felt deflated at the end of the game because i did it was such a good first half and in the second half, I mean, we were so close to blowing that and and I know we didn't I know we won and that's the important thing. But but man, that felt like one of those games that just I, I, oh I it's like you know typical Steelers we just can't have nice things just 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 beat a team senseless uh, uh, you know, which we had done the senseless. week before yeah. again but, I you know I I made this point before Ian came on and I I stand by it it just yeah. starting to feel like there's something faded here like they're like you know the dumb little things that have happened in seasons past where where they had character issues in the team, frankly. Right. And, you know, they they would blow these games out of nowhere and just one lucky thing here or there would not go their way and mm-hmm. they'd end up losing games. And this this year, maybe it's the opposite. You know, they had some things week two versus Denver where it could have gone the wrong way and it didn't. And they had some things this week that could have gone the wrong way and they didn't. And I'm just starting to feel like, this might be a special season, honestly, because of, of the way it's coming together already. And, and it's early. It is. it is. I don't want people to get too far ahead of themselves, but it's starting to feel that way. It's weird. And um, I'm I'm pretty enthusiastic right now. Now, I, like I said, I still don't think they're going to go undefeated, but, you know, we'll no, see. No, no, I, I don't either. But I, I do, before we move on and, and, and talk. The other thing I'll add. Yeah, go ahead. That you know, you you said you felt deflated. I I'll say I felt emotionally drained. Oh, absolutely. I, I think part of it was you know we felt so good. We were on such a high at halftime, Ugh. and then AJ Brown had that big touchdown. All of a sudden, you start to get flashbacks of Super Bowl forty three with you know Larry Fitzgerald running through the oh, secondary. Yeah. Yep. And we know we talked about it all week of, about how Derrick Henry's capable of breaking a big one at any time. He's a mm-hmm. You know, especially as the game wears on and the defense wears down and starts to get a little sloppy on their angles, he's capable of he has that mm-hmm. breakaway speed, and it just it it really felt like we were hanging on in desperation, yeah. and to come out with a victory is is tremendous. And I I do agree with Ben that this team has that intestinal fortitude that some of the teams in the past didn't have. Those other teams would have just folded emotionally. Folded, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They would have folded. And it, this it team really feels strong. like yeah, it really feels like this team has has more mental strength. Yes. They're stronger mentally. Their character is better. They're just a better group of guys. It's a tighter team. And I think that's might be why, you know, Lombardi always said and and you know I don't know if I necessarily agree with this, but he always said that luck was the residue of thorough preparation. <laughs> and yeah. this this seems to be a well-prepared team. Don't get me wrong. They they don't play perfectly, but they no. acknowledge it when they fuck up. 
and they continue to to work at at honing their game and refining their craft and that's the difference this year we don't have any individuals in this team all these guys are adders or multipliers as craig wolfley mm-hmm. describes them <laughs> he does yes uh I, I well i'm gonna be debbie downer then because i want to talk about the interception in the fourth quarter oh that's um, fine well, look, he threw it. He acknowledged that it was a bad oh, throw. So let's ben, move on. Ben totally acknowledged it. He was he owned up to it. I mean, uh, he, he didn't place blame on anybody else. He he took it. Okay, yep. you, you know, but you're up three. Um, you're what was it? Third and seven? No, it was longer than that. It was like third, third and thirteen. Okay, but what somebody was open about seven yards is what I was thinking. Get you to get you closer to the field goal. I no, you had to thinking. get to the seven to get the to get the down. first down. Yeah. And I mean, he could have thrown to either Claypool on the out to his left, or yeah. he could have dumped it off in the middle to Johnson, and and yep. Johnson might have gotten the first down. Um, might not have. Right. You know, it it would have put you in a position where you could have kicked a field goal at least. <laughs> Yeah, at least you're up six. But yeah, I, I just it, and look, I understand in in uh, technical terms that was not what we would call triple coverage. Uh, there's not too many teams that actually triple cover one guy. Um, but but that said, he he was. I think he was just trusting Juju to make a play, and and Juju had his hands on the ball. I mean, you you can't he did really, but Ben you know, threw it inside and and yes. Ben threw it a little bit short and. Yep. Yeah, he could have. It was not a great decision. I think no. all three of us agree on that. We talked about it yep. earlier today. Yep. Bad decision on Ben's part, and Ben acknowledged as much, and he yep. also said he threw the ball late. But yeah. he could have made that catch had Ben placed it over his right shoulder and a little bit long. Yes. Juju yeah. would have been in a position to make that catch, and then we all would have gone, oh, my God, I can't believe High. he made that throw. Yep, higher and longer. Yeah. Um, but you know, again, and I, I, you not to belabor the point any further, but the point of the matter is we won the game and, yep. and we overcame some bounces. We got some bounces. The most important one was the, the, the one at the very end that sailed right. And, uh, uh, and here we are, we are now six and oh, and, and, you know, we, we kind of touched on this last week a little bit, so we won't spend a lot of time on it guys, but you know, six and oh. Ian, how good is this team? I, I mean, they they finally beat "quote unquote" a a good team based on record. Now, you know, <laughs> that's so, right because Cleveland is trash. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I mean, hey, well, as long as Baker, Baker Mayfield fans. doesn't have to play the Steelers, he's all world, right? Um, but so, how good is this team, Ian? I, I, you know, against I mean, we've seen them beat the teams they should beat, which mm-hmm. in years past wasn't always a guarantee. That you know they were kind of known for losing to bad teams through the first few games that we've seen. The only team that's been able to beat the Steelers has been the Steelers. I'll point this out on both of or two out of three of Ben's interceptions. The second one was a tip pass at the line, so yeah. I you know those things happen. I'm I'm not yep. terribly worried about that one. Uh, but on both of his interceptions, the play prior, the offense took a penalty at the yep. end of the first half. They had um, a penalty that set them back five more yards. And I don't remember if it was Ben or if it was Tomlin or if it was Feekner, but someone said that that false start penalty and Eric Ebron changed their plans for what mm-hmm. they were going to do on the final play. 
So that makes me think that they had a plan other than chuck it up for the end zone and try and let your guy make a play, which at the end of the first half, you can do that. It's fine. It's not going to kill you. Um, but that being said, if they kick that field goal and then kick the other field goal, then you're up by nine and the whole right. end of the game situation is not a big deal. Right. Um, but that, that five-yard penalty made a big difference. And then at the end, let's not forget, Chase Claypool picked up the first down, but yes. uh, Jalen Samuels got called for offensive pass interference. Uh... And Or actually, Claypool, I think he got it, but he got marked short, but they probably would have gone for it on fourth and one at the yes. you know inside the 10-yard line. Horrible um, spot, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Nevertheless, the, that offensive pass interference penalty set them mm-hmm. back 10 more yards and put them in a bad spot. And then Ben had Juju covered by a linebacker. And anytime you have Juju covered by a yeah. linebacker, that's, that's a shot worth taking. Uh, our Ben was absolutely right that uh, – Roethlisberger threw it late, threw it inside. That if you mm-hmm, had mm-hmm. better ball placement and better timing, that's a touchdown. And we're talking about you know how aggressive we were and how oh, great yeah. it was. We went for the win and all, and went for the kill shot and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, and and they were in, the Titans were in cover two, and you know after the linebacker tipped, ripped the ball, literally ripped the ball out of Juju's hands because Ben was right that Juju had his hands on it. The linebacker made a good play to swipe it out, and then one of the two yeah. uh, safeties came over and got it. But still better throw that doesn't happen but also if we don't commit offensive pass interference that doesn't happen so things change too yeah Yeah. exactly exactly and we saw a couple other times this year we've had some some fumbling issues uh ben hadn't thrown he only thrown one interception prior to this game and then he threw three um they were still over to over able to overcome those Mm -hmm. but up to this point it kind of looks like the only team that has could beat the Steelers is the Steelers um, which is the mark of a really good team that if you don't make mistakes you're going to be in games and competitive now we're playing a Baltimore team this week that is a completely different animal just in the way they run their Mm -hmm. offense Mm -hmm. the way their defense is structured uh, I mean they went 14 and 2 last year for a reason and it wasn't all Lamar Jackson I mean he won the MVP he's a great player but their defense is really good and they can they can run the ball differently than anyone else can, which makes them really hard to defend. Yeah, and, and I, we'll get into that. Uh, ben, go ahead. Actually, I had a question for Ian since he was talking about the officiating. What did yeah. you think of the officiating in general, Ian? Are are you angry? Did you, did you make notes about what a shitty crew this was? Or <laughs> <laughs> we well, should pref- we should probably preface this with the fact that Ian has more information on NFL officials than any human being. So there, you know, seems I'll, that way. I'll yeah. just say this: that Sean Hockley, being the son of Ed Hockley. Uh, it obviously runs in his blood to throw a lot of flags because if you'll recall, Ed Hockley's games were always flag fests. Gotta show the so, guns, baby. So I wasn't really surprised that a Sean Hockley game was also a flag fest. Okay, I didn't so- really have any problem with any of the penalties, though. I, I mean, there were there were a few things here and there they missed, and and a couple things where I was like, eh, that's a little bit ticky tack. There were some ticky tacky, yeah, and that was there kind was. of what Hockley was known for. Was Hockley was known for. Ed, the father, was right. known for throwing, I'll say, an excessive amount of flags. You know, there was, it, there were always a lot of penalties, and a lot of it was ticky tacky stuff. And his son obviously inherited that from him. It, it just seemed like the prior two games, the prior two crews we saw before mm-hmm. this week, ignored a lot of really obvious stuff. 
and it got on my nerves. I mean, I'm sitting there watching yeah, the game, same. slightly intoxicated, yelling, fucking holding! And, you know, <laughs> well, it, it sounds to me like they must have had a conference call and somebody said, hey, start calling more holding, because that's the way it felt, especially in the first half. Um, my my question to you guys, and you, you don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but, you know, uh, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick was flagged for, for the holding down by the goal line. And and it was a legitimate call. He was it holding was. him. He, yeah. he was okay. But but my question is, are, are is the NFL ever going to? And they won't because it would take points off the board more often than not. Are they going to get rid of these screens and picks because they're really starting to drive me in, insane? Um, I, I think it's unfair to the defender. This isn't basketball. Um, it, it's football. And and these guys are rubbing guys off. They're rubbing them off the umpire in the middle. I mean, it, it, it's just it, it irritates me. And then when I see Samuel get called for something similar at the other end, but it wasn't called on our end, that starts to irritate me. So that that that's my officiating piece for today. So I, they'll never get rid of it though because it, it make a note teams. Ian. Yeah, they, they, uh, because all all I'll say yeah. about pick plays is that yeah. uh, Tom Brady and the Patriots won six Super Bowls running pick plays all the time. Yep. Well, Every exactly. Game. So it's not, you're right. Right. And it, that's what I mean. It's, and that's what Belichick does. I mean, basically yeah. he's like, oh, it's this is kind of gray area. It's it's not mm-hmm. really against the rules. I mean, mm-hmm. per se, they won't enforce it. So I'm going to do this. Yeah. It's it's one of those. I'm going to dare you to call it every yeah. single play and you're not yeah. going to call it every yeah. single play. So we'll probably get mm-hmm. away with mm-hmm. it more often mm-hmm. than not. Yeah, no, I, and believe me, I get the strategy. It just irritates me sometimes strategy. the uh, lack of strategy. I like that, Bugs Bunny. Uh, I just hate the oh. lack of consistency sometimes. That was George but... W. Bush. Well, well also, yeah. <laughs> well, they're very similar. Uh, you're listening to uh, the Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast presented by Deck Roofing, serving Broward in the southern Palm Beach counties. Whether it's commercial, residential, multifamily, or condos, contact Deck Roofing at DeckRoofingIncorporated.com. Uh, okay, is it time to just get into the Ravens? I, I, I guess it is. Um, rat birds. Oh, boy. Um, Say it right. Rat birds, rat, rat, rats. Yeah, ratty rat rats. Look, this is a good football team. They're good coming off a bye. They're They're awesome coming off a bye. I think Harbaugh is like 10 and 2 coming off the bye. I guarantee, I am telling you right now, he will have something cooked up special teams-wise. He almost always does for us, whether it's a a, a fake punt, some goofy formation. I don't know. Something will happen. Um, But all that said... um, uh, Ian, how do you feel going into this one? Extremely nervous. Uh, Baltimore yeah. is a tough place to play. This is, you know, back-to-back road games. They're coming off a of bye week. And, and they will have some fans, by the way. Not they many, will, have, they will have some fans there, yes. Uh, yep. We just played a very physical game against Tennessee. Yeah. And, you know, I think I think coming into this year, everyone – kind of had this game chalked up as a potential loss you know and most i mean no one had the steelers going 16 and 0 most of us had them somewhere in the range of 10 and 6 11 and 5 you know basically anywhere between 10 and 12 wins was where most yeah, people had yeah. them 
And even at 12 wins, that means you lose four games. So I think most mm-hmm. people said, okay, you know, we'll probably split with the Ravens, lose their win at home. And I mean, I would love to win this game. If we win this game, we're in the catbird seat, man. We're in really stinking good shape. Um, But Baltimore is a a difficult offense to defend. Um, Mm -hmm. They haven't been quite as dynamic this year as they have been in years past, but I'm still quite nervous about this one. Um, Yeah, it's, it's, and, and, it's Baltimore. It's an emotional game. You want to beat yeah. the shit out of those fuckers, but it's, it, you know, they're just, they're as much as I hate to admit it. it they're well coached. Um, yep. They have good players that are capable of making plays and their, their scheme is very good. All on all three phases. They mm-hmm. have arguably, arguably they've had, I mean, the best special teams, in the league for years. I mean, both between kicking and punting, Justin yeah. Turner's an excellent kick or Justin Tucker. Sorry. Thinking about the guy from the Dodgers, Justin Turner, that <laughs> got COVID and then went out to fucking celebrate. Yeah, um, maybe, maybe Tucker will get COVID. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know. um, but yeah, I mean, Justin Tucker has been the best kicker in the league for a while. Sam yeah. Coke's an excellent punter. Um, they've had a series of really good punters and yeah, even, even in the years where, you know, and I'm not saying we're going to get blown out by them, but oh, no. it's it's going to be a competitive game. But I, I, I'll be I'll be pleasantly surprised. I'll be very pleasantly surprised if we win, especially yeah. with them adding Ngakwe. It's uh, you know, that's a, he's a really good player. Is he able to play this week? Yes. Yes. Okay. Ben, what do you uh, what's your general observation of the Rat Birds this week? Uh. Well, they are a good team. This is mm-hmm. going to be, as Ian pointed out, Harbaugh coming off of a bye as insufferable an asshole as he is. Mm-hmm. His record coming off a of bye is stellar. And, yeah, I expect him to be a complete douchebag and take his mask off and yell at the refs and do all the Harbaugh things that Harbaugh does and Harbaugh as hard as he can. Mm-hmm incessant whining it'll just be uh, anyway but uh they're they're an outstanding football team and yep. you know they they weren't quite ready for prime time last year uh they got blown out the first round first round they played and uh you know they i think they kind of have a chip on their shoulder this year um but you know looking back at their game against Kansas City where they were solidly outplayed Mm-hmm. and defended very well by, frankly, a defense that's not as good as the Steelers, I think there is a game plan to shut down that offense. And that offense, in my opinion, is the teeth of this team. I mm-hmm. think they are susceptible to the pass up the middle. I think okay. they know it, and they use their safeties quite a bit to to help out in pass coverage not just as as coverage guys, but as over-the-top guys. They they do a weird cover-two scheme where they leave their outside. Ian pointed this out earlier today, but it was mm-hmm, something I noticed mm-hmm. on film. Um, they, leave their, they leave their outside guys, who are very good cover guys. Yeah, you're talking Peters and Humphreys. Marcus there. Peters and yes. Humphreys. Yep. Uh, and they're, they're probably the – honestly, they're, they're the best cover tandem in the league, probably. And very good. And they're – the passing defense on this team is not good. It ain't. 
No, and part of it is statistically they're not good because they're always playing from ahead, so the teams have to throw on them. So they're going to rack up yards because they're constantly throwing as opposed right. to running. Um, and then the other part of that is they're they're a good run defense. So you don't try and run against them. You just throw the ball. But, yeah, it's it's easier. It's much easier to throw in the middle of the field on these guys than it is to throw on the outside. Uh, mm-hmm. Although I still expect Ben will try. And, oh, yeah. you know, he'll get a shot with Chase Claypool, who's a big wide receiver, against either one of those guys and just go, okay, yep, I yeah. see it. It's a one-on-one shot. I got to take a chance here. Throwing it high and outside. Give my guy a shot. We'll see what happens. Defensively, I don't know how they're going to work in Gakwe in, but mm-hmm. because they run that that weird 34 hybrid right. thing where they essentially have one pass rusher and he alternates sides. Is he going to be that guy? I don't know. Um, but they've got they've got good players, you know, including Patrick McQueen's having a great year for them. He is uh, rookie from uh, LSU. Yep. Yeah. And I just, oh man, I'm uh, nervous is not the word. I'm nervous and excited. I am, I'm really excited about this week. And I, it's weird. I shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. I feel like I should be more anxious about it. But for whatever reason, I'm just not. And, and it may just have to do with the fact that. I'm so sentimental about this matchup because it's the Ravens. And this really is the rivalry of rivalries for the Steelers. This, this is rivalry week. Yes. Fuck the Browns. That rivalry is manufactured in Cleveland. No one in Pittsburgh Mm -hmm. cares. Mm -hmm. Nope. The Bengals. Are you kidding me? That's not a rivalry. Never was. (laughs) I mean, seriously, Dallas is more of a rival than Cincinnati is. I just, uh, I am excited. I am. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. I get it. I, I kind of have that same feeling. Um, Ian, stay on uh, the offensive side of the ball with us and, and, and against that Baltimore defense. And yeah, and I know you wanted to comment on Peters and Humphrey too. Yeah, and Ben's absolutely right. Peters and Humphrey are both really, really good cover corners. Mm-hmm. Um, but they will take chances. Um, we saw last year when we played them uh, that you know Marlon Humphrey early in the game tried oh, that yeah. uh, tomahawk chop swap on Juju. And he missed the ball. He hit Juju in the shoulder and also missed the tackle. And Juju took it for like a 75-yard touchdown. Right. And overtime, basically the same play, tried the same thing, except he hit the ball that time and caused a fumble. Yes. So, it, it, you know, they they go after the ball. Uh, Peters is really known. You know, Peters has a handful of pick sixes in his career because he will jump the underneath stuff. He's looking for those out routes that he can jump. And you can get him on double moves. He is very susceptible uh, to being beat over the top just because he will bite on those, mm-hmm. those comeback routes um, because he wants those interceptions. He's and been he's a, a punk, so it's really cool when he loses on those kinds of matches. Yeah, he is. Yes. So both of those guys, while the Ravens will leave them single covered and they are both very good, they're mm-hmm. also gamblers. And sometimes they make big plays like what happened last year in overtime, or sometimes they get burned on them. And that's a, a point where the offense can attack. Um, the Ravens do a lot of, we've seen it kind of similar over the years. They do a lot of, you know, stuffing eight guys down in the box, yes. eight guys at the line of scrimmage kind of thing, eight guys within three yards of the line of scrimmage. 
Um, and sometimes they bring them all, but more often than not, there's a couple guys dropping off into coverage. Mm-hmm. You never really know which one it is. Um, one thing they like to do a lot of is bringing one of their inside linebackers, whether it be LJ Fort, who we know, um, yep. or Patrick Queen, um, lining them up in the A gap, sort of right over the the center shoulder, and then dropping them into the middle of the field and essentially cutting off those shallow crossing routes and, and trying to get either pass deflections or interceptions. Uh, a couple of years ago when we played against them, the game when Antonio Brown had the, the freak out because he wasn't getting the ball enough. Right. Um, Despite the they, fact we were winning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, they were been through a late interception and had a couple other passes that probably should have been picked basically by that guy dropping off the line of scrimmage into that sort of seven, eight yard shallow zone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you don't always watch the guy that's right in front of you, but then all of a sudden he's right there and you try and throw a crossing route and he's undercutting it and um, taking it the other way. So that's a, a danger to watch out for. But that said, it's not like teams that play the Tampa two where the inside linebacker is playing a, a deeper zone. So they are susceptible over the middle behind that guy. Behind that because, back. Yes. Yeah. Yes, because he's playing a very shallow zone to cut off those crossers. One of the things that the Ravens do very well is because they have so many guys at the line, they can mix and match blitzes and get guys free, which means quarterbacks have to throw quick and throw hot, which is why their corners are going to play press coverage on the outside and they're dropping guys into shallow zones and they're either playing cover zero or cover one with just one safety deep. Um, or some kind of hybrid cover too, like Ben mentioned. There was a couple plays against the Eagles I noticed where they essentially had the the two slot receivers or or tight end and slot receiver were double covered, and they left – there was a cover zero because both both safeties were doubling the inside guys, and they just Mm -hmm. left their outside corners Mm -hmm. on islands. But everyone else was coming hard on a blitz and they had overloaded and Wentz really didn't have time to throw. And the only option he had was to just chuck it up because both of his short outlets were double covered, which was a very inventive defense to run. Um, but also, uh, you know, Wentz missed some throws in that game. The Eagles dropped some passes and the Eagles nearly came back and won. Too. Yeah. Yeah. They could have. So the, the, the Ravens don't necessarily have that killer instinct that they've had in years past. And looking at their defensive statistics, they've given up seven passing touchdowns and four of them have been to, I'll say, quote unquote, tight ends. One of them was to an offensive tackle against the Chiefs, but he was lined up as a tight end. So True. Um, we'll call right. it four of them went to tight ends. So this is this is certainly a game where, you know, Eric Ebron could find a mismatch somewhere. Um mm-hmm. But the, the protection is going to have to be good. I expect a lot of short passes, especially early on. It's probably some screen passes to, just to try and um, take some teeth out of the blitz. But if Baltimore has to play from behind, they're a completely different team than they are if they're able to play ahead. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. They're, you know, Like most teams, if they have to play from behind, their, their offensive scheme changes a little bit. But, um, in fact, let's, let's talk about that because – um, and Ben, if you would go ahead and comment a little bit on what you saw from, from Robert Spillane making his first start in place of Devin Bush. And then, you know, how, how do the Steelers ultimately attack, um, this, this Ravens offense? Spillane was pretty much what we expected. He, uh, he is 
a good run player. He's mm-hmm. a good tackler. We knew he was fearless, relentless, would stick his head right in there and make tackles, and he did. Oh, boy. <laughs> he did. Got a stinger on Sunday, making Ooh, a big tackle. What a collision that <laughs> was. Inside the, inside the one-yard line versus Derrick Henry. Yeah. And, you know, it was great that he did because if he hadn't, he would have gone would have gone in right there. Yeah. Um, he's still not a good cover linebacker. Um, you won't convince me that he is. Mm-hmm. Um, we're lucky in so much as, as, as Ian pointed out two weeks ago, uh, the Ravens don't run a real complicated passing scheme. And it's not going to be super difficult for him to, to get a jump on things, diagnose plays and get a jump on passing situations on early downs when he's in there. Mm-hmm. I don't expect him to play on passing downs again this week. Um, but, you know, he'll do okay in situations where he has to, unless he's got to cover a slot cor- a, a slot receiver mm-hmm. for some reason, in which case we're screwed. But th- um, this, is, this is a very different animal, though, because this isn't just, just Derrick Henry lined up in the eye. Now, now you're dealing with a very mobile quarterback. They they use three different running backs quite a bit. So yes, you know it's going to be a different challenge for so, him, right? Yeah. Basically, what we've got to do this week, in my opinion, is something similar to what the Steelers did versus the Browns. They've got to be gap sound, mm-hmm. and they've got to keep a very fast quarterback in the pocket. He is at his most dangerous, in my opinion, when he rolls out. Uh, if he rolls out and he's got time to to look and see, eventually one of his receivers is going to come open and he's going to get the ball to him. Yeah. If he's got to throw from the pocket, especially if he's running a little bit off his spot, he's not very accurate. Uh, he's got a real strong arm, but he's not a very accurate thrower. And that being the case, we need to keep him in there where the law of averages favors the Steelers. Uh, You've got to keep him in the pocket if you can. You don't mm-hmm. want to over-pursue or pursue wide and give him room to escape the pocket going forward. Because even if he doesn't throw it because he can, he, he can escape, excuse me, yeah. he can escape via that, that loop and, and get you for 5 or 10 or 30 yards. <laughs> or you give him a window where he can see receivers because you've looped out wide and he can see in front of him. You want to keep him in the pocket, give him less vision, but make him nervous, pressure mm-hmm. him, but keep him in the pocket. That and was then, actually yeah. something that Kansas city did really well when they're, when their outside linebackers got yes. pressure, they didn't attack Jackson. They essentially slowed down and broke him down. Like he was a runner in space. Right. And forced him forced his eyes to come down and forced him to try and step up. And then their interior guys who are very good. I mean, Jones is an excellent interior rusher. Yeah. Um, That Kansas city blitzed the crap out of them too, especially at the end of the game. They, they just, they were like, we're going to bring everyone. We're going to leave our guys out on islands. And we don't think Jackson can throw to beat us. And it was, it was one of those things where the, the outside linebackers of the chiefs broke him down in space and instead of just rushing at him and letting him juke around them and create space for himself, is, is that something? Is that something that Watt and Dupree can do though? I mean, these guys are like attack dogs. You know, they're they're just told here, go get whoever's got the damn ball. Yeah, well, they, know to, they know how to open field tackle. You come to a point but, of balance before you make a before you connect. I mean, they know and, how to do that. 
No, no, no. I'm not saying they don't know how to do that. But when, when you know, you play a certain way for so long, and then all of a sudden you, you kind of are said, hey, now look, now maybe throttle it down, you know, so that you force him up into the pocket, into the interior guys. Is, does that does that take away some of their effectiveness? No, I, I don't think it does. I, I think that it is exactly what Ian said. You've got to make him stop and think. And even if you do for a second or a, a second and a half, yeah, it throws the timing off for their offense. And our guys have got to cover that much longer, but it gives the interior rushers a chance to get at him. And it keeps him inside the pocket. And again, you, mm-hmm. you break it down. You come to a point of balance. You don't just go straight at him and try and hit him as hard as you can. You don't go for the ball. You just mm-hmm. stay in front of him and you keep him in front of you, especially if he's looking at you and let's say, you know, it's Bud and he's got him. He's in his sights. Come to a point of balance. If TJ is coming from the other side and he's, he's looking at, Mar- at uh, Lamar's back, he can just go straight at him right, and hit right. him and vice versa. If it's TJ and he's breaking down and he's going, okay, I'm going to tackle you like you're running back. Bud sees his back. He can go straight at him straight away. So that's that's the one exception to the rule there. Mm-hmm. But I think that if you keep him in the pocket and manage to pressure him, but conservatively, yeah, that's the way you beat this guy. Don't let him out. Right. And were you guys, uh, Ian, I'll ask you first, were you surprised as well as we did last weekend uh, against Johnu Smith, the tight end? Uh, I think he ended up with, what, one catch? Yeah, I think it was like one catch. For I, I mean, I, I was worried about him. Now, I know he, he was nursing an ankle, so I don't know that he was 100%. But, you know, and the reason I say that is because, obviously, the, the Ravens do a good job. Mark Andrews is, is a very good tight end. Um, yes. But, you know, is, is it possible that, that uh, uh, we do another good job this week on them? I mean, Marquise Brown is certainly uh, capable of having a big game against us. And, you know, but I, I think to Ben's point, too, uh, Jackson isn't always the most accurate quarterback. And if you do get that interior pressure on him, it makes it a little bit easier. It is. It certainly is. And one thing that the Ravens have done in recent years is to basically just stack their team with fast, speedy guys all over mm-hmm. the field mm-hmm. to help make plays with the ball in their hand when they can get the ball in their hand. Um you know, Smith was only targeted four times last week, one catch for nine yards. Um, and Mark Andrews is going to get a lot more looks than that. Yeah, Baltimore does a good job of – they also have design rollouts for Jackson, which, um, you know, they they roll them out, give them a, a run-pass option with just a couple passing routes down the field. Like we talked about, Baltimore, most of their passing concepts are two- or three-man routes. They aren't, you know, complicated – concepts like Kansas City runs with five guys running all over the field on you that you got to try and figure out how to defend. Uh they they simplify it a bit, but Jackson's dangerous on the outside. Uh, ben mentioned it before that you know, he can he can look like he's going to run and then pull up and throw and hit a guy, which makes it really hard for a defender, especially a defensive back on the outside, you know, if you're covering a guy that's on a sideline route, and you see Jackson coming towards you. If you if you leave your guy to try and tackle him, he's going to throw it to your guy. But you know, if you don't leave your guy, he's going to run forever. So it's you know they they put defenders in lose lose kind of situations. And 
one thing I did notice with Jackson when I watched some Ravens tape mm-hmm. was he's not real good throwing to guys who are moving. He is much better at comeback routes, at curl routes, at um, you know spot routes where the receiver is essentially standing still or you know just slightly moving coming towards him, yeah, or coming towards him, yeah. Then he is throwing crossing routes or post routes or things like that where he's got to throw it out to an area and let his receiver go get it. So um, you know maybe it was just the throws I noticed, but that just, it seemed like a trend that he was better when his receivers were standing still and he had a stationary target to try and hit. Um, granted he moves a lot but oh yeah and, and he's very good at, he can sure. throw on the run um but their their running game also hasn't been as as good this year i mean it's still statistically mm-hmm. you know the best in the league but they've kind of split carries around they haven't really found an effective rotation um you know jackson has 50 carries through six games which is right. you know give or take eight or nine carries a game mark ingram has 50 carries gus edwards has 48 carries jk dobbins who everyone was upset we didn't take and took claypool <laughs> instead how's everybody feel about that um dobbins has Guilty. 25 carries yeah um and, and the other thing i'll note which i think is important from a schematic standpoint is that Ingram has three receptions on five targets. Edwards has no receptions on three targets. Dobbins has 11 receptions on 14 targets. So if Ingram or Edwards is in the game, they're probably not going to throw him the ball. They're not going to throw a screen pass. They're not going to do that kind of stuff. If Dobbins is in the game, you got to watch out for screen. Keep an eye on him. Yeah. Um, And that's just kind of, you know, one of those things like we talked about last year with the Steelers and how limited they were because of injuries Mm -hmm. that if Benny Snell was in the game, they weren't throwing it to him. If, you know, Jalen Samuels was in the game or uh, Kareth White was in the game, you know, the the personnel in the game tips you off to what they're going to do. Um, now, granted, they've been handing off to Dobbins a little bit more, so there's a run pass option there. But with Mm -hmm. the other two guys... It's it's probably going to be a you know they're going to run play action a lot. It's going to be that RPO style of you know Jackson can either hand it off, pull it, and take it himself. Um, guys are going to have to stay true to their gap lanes and can't over pursue. Um, but one thing that we did last year in the season finale, which was different than how we approached the first game against the Ravens last year, very different. Yeah. Was and granted RG three was playing quarterback and not Lamar Jackson, right. but right. Bud Dupree played in his normal outside linebacker spot, was a, but was essentially designated as the QB hitter. And every play, even if Griffin handed it off, Dupree was hitting him. And if Griffin tried to keep it, he was Dupree's guy. They, they essentially assigned Dupree to your guy is the quarterback, regardless of where the ball goes. And we got gashed on a couple of running plays by Mark Ingram in that game that, you know, he came inside Dupree because Dupree mm-hmm. was just going for the quarterback. And, it, and you know, by the third or fourth time that it happened, it became pretty obvious that like, this was a schematic decision that Dupree was just going for the quarterback. And I kind of thought like, maybe it was kind of sending a message like, Hey, if you put Lamar in here against us next year, we're coming after him and we're going to, we're going to hit him even after he hands the ball off. So keep an eye on that because there's no rule. 
you can't hit a quarterback after he throws the ball, but there's no rule against hitting a quarterback after he hands it off. No, um, it's a it's a very old school tried and true method. You you want the quarterback knowing there's going to be punishment every single time, and and you're you're righty. And uh, yep, there's and my, usually, my, yeah. My final thought on that is this past week against Tennessee, they did a really good job of moving Dupree around a little bit. They moved him inside and had him blitz the a gap to essentially attack the handoff point where Derek Henry was getting the ball mm-hmm. so that Henry couldn't even get those two or three steps as a head of steam before he got the ball. That when you attack that handoff point, then Henry's having to sidestep in the backfield. And yeah, he picked up a couple yards a few times. Yeah. But yeah. Just that little sidestep slows down his momentum. And for a guy that big, slowing down that momentum is is really helpful in having success against him. So I I fully expect them to have some scheme, whether it's blitzing the A-gaps, whether it's sending Dupree off the edge, to try and attack that handoff point and you know, force mm-hmm. force Jackson to make some quicker decisions. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think um They'll they'll take some elements of that, like you're talking about with Dupree in the A gap, and and you know, I mean, any any time you can get a guy before he gets going, it's always an advantage. But you know, this is just so different than than Henry running downhill. Now you've got a guy that's going to be running east and west a little bit more before he turns it up. So um, definitely something to look for and keep uh, keep an eye on there. Ben, um, you had a couple thoughts on the Steelers' offense before we wrap things up here. Well, Scarpino tweeted something this week about the results of these games all time. Former, uh, former Steelers PR guy, Ryan Scarpino, who, by the way, does a terrific impression of Troy Palomalo, but I digress. It does a lot of impressions. He anyway, does. Does. Uh, so Scarps tweets out, the Steelers are 8-2 and two all time on the road in Baltimore when scoring 20 points or more. They are 3-11 and 11 when they don't hit that 20-point mark in Baltimore. So... That is, I think mm-hmm. that's a great stat. statistically significant, but also I look at, at the matchups and I, I'm just speaking to the Steelers offense versus the, the Ravens defense and the Steelers defense versus the Ravens offense. I think you have a very good offense versus a very good defense in the Steelers versus the Ravens Steelers defense versus the Ravens offense. Right. I think, I think you have a good offense versus a pretty good defense when you talk about the Steelers' offense versus the Ravens' defense. Mm -hmm. I don't think the Ravens' defense is as good as their offense. They may be improved, as Ian pointed out, with with the addition of Ngakwe, but they may not. At least what we've seen thus far, that doesn't necessarily pencil out. So... We need to get to that 20-point mark. How do we do that? I think we we continue this, what which may be a, a boring offense for a lot of people where, where we're not throwing the ball long. Mm-hmm. I expect some long throws, but I, I expect more dink and dunk and running the ball and moving the chains and keeping the Ravens' offense off the field, eating the clock, and playing efficient football, but not necessarily, you know, high-flying, exciting offense. Yeah. Just just trying to build a lead and getting to that 20-point mark will help. And I I think it gives them a shot. they got to get there, though. Yeah, I, I think that's the way to go. I mean, it's a good game plan. It worked last week for the most part. And uh, 
I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Ian, go ahead. Give us your prediction on this big one on Sunday. Oh, boy. Um, guy who picked the Titans to win. Yeah. <laughs> you know, okay. All right. All right. Well, let me let me talk about this, though, because yeah. Ben obviously correctly predicted the score of last week's game, 27-24. Fuck that score. God, I hated that score. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying you correctly you predicted it. it. Yeah. Um, I believe... I believe my score was was it twenty? I said thirty-one to thirty or something like that. Yeah, you, yeah I, I believe that's it. Thirty-one yeah. to thirty. And you know the Steelers are sitting there in field goal range with a third and twelve, and I'm thinking, you know, if the Steelers kick a field goal here, they're going to wind up at thirty, and if Tennessee drives down the field and scores a touchdown, they're going to get thirty-one. <laughs> like, son of a bitch, you know. So my where the game was with you know, four minutes left to play. I was actually not that far off, um, oh, no. you know, and, but I did, I, I will, I will own it that I picked the Titans to win and I was wrong. So I will, I will own that. Yep. as good. All uh, right. Yes. Um, the, the Steelers and Ravens over time have played a lot of three point games. Tons. Um, tons. Yeah. Like especially 23 to 20 games. It seems like we play, mm-hmm. 23 to 20 games against them all the time. Um, so I honestly, I think I, 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 you know what? I picked against the Steelers last week and we won. So I'll pick the Ravens 23 to 20. Um, just <laughs> I, I just, I, I don't, I don't have, a, I don't have a good feeling about this game. Um, okay. And I hope I'm wrong. I like last week. I, I hope I'm wrong, but my, my gut feeling just says that, you know, if, if it's close and we let their offense hang around and run the ball, and if, if their offense can control the clock with their running game and keep our offense off the field, I think Justin Tucker's good enough to, oh, yeah. to beat us, unfortunately. Okay, the gauntlet has been thrown. Ben, what's your prediction for Sunday? Uh nervous but excited um yeah I, i'm gonna say Steelers 17 ravens 18 <laughs> oh, oh wow yeah wow yeah 18 17 uh, yeah low scoring game where really? you know in the end we're angry and yeah you know tucker kicks six field goals to win the game <laughs> <laughs> which would figure uh I I think we are coming off of one hell of a football game on Sunday. Uh there was a lot of hitting, big hits, very aggressive, very physical football game. I cannot look past the fact that Baltimore is so good coming off the bye. I I think Exactly. Yeah, I I think this is one uh, I think we're going to get the 20-point mark, but I don't think it's going to be enough. I think we're going to lose 26-23. Uh, whether it comes down to a Tucker field goal or not, I really don't know, but I, I just I, I just think we're going to run out of gas. I, I think that's an awful ask to go to Tennessee, beat a, a 5-0 and team. Now you're, you're, you're essentially playing another, what, 5-1 and team, uh, and you know you still got another road trip coming the week after, and I, I just – I think that's where it's at, but obviously uh, we all hope the Steelers win. We're just trying to be as honest and uh, realistic as possible. And 
that's what we do around here, you know? So um, anyway, any final thoughts, gentlemen? Yeah, I have a final thought. Yes. <laughs> As to paraphrase Herb yeah. Brooks' speech in Miracle, when he said he's sick and tired of hearing what a great hockey team the Soviets have, yeah. I'm sick yeah. and tired of hearing what a great football team the Ravens have. Fuck them. Let's go beat them. <laughs> I, I like that. I like that. All right, uh, my my uh, my closing thought is that uh, Ravens fans seem to be lesser douchebags and assholes on social media this year. So no question, there's that. I mean, they're still yeah. douchebags and assholes, but they're not as bad as no. you know as they've been in years past. I agree. I agree. I I, I think they uh, like we've always said. There's just there's just a little more respect with this rivalry than than uh, any of the other. Uh, yeah. Is it uh, just that they you know, don't seem like as big of assholes now because the Browns fans are bigger assholes and well, it's Eagles like fans it, have always been assholes, but it's like Steelers fans hate Ravens fans. Ravens fans hate us, but we can both agree that we all hate the Browns. You know, <laughs> I don't, I don't well, know. I think, but, I think uh, the other thing too, is that, you know, when even a couple of years ago when we used to argue with Ravens fans on social media, mm-hmm. you know, they could point out Joe Flacco had beaten us in the playoffs. Joe Flacco had won Super Bowls. Ben had yeah. won Super Bowls. Ben had beat them in the playoffs. Uh, Lamar Jackson has one win over the Steelers in his career. Uh, and that was over Mason Rudolph. It wasn't over Ben Roethlisberger. Cause no, his... he doesn't. He didn't play in that game. Right. That's yeah. why. That's what I mean. The, the Jackson's only win was last year in right. the first game we played them against Mason. Right. Jackson didn't play in 2018. Oh, excuse ben. me. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yes. And then didn't play against Duck in the season finale either. No. That was RG3. So Mason Rudolph, or not, sorry, not Mason Rudolph. Lamar Jackson has more playoff losses, two, than he does wins over the Steelers, one. Um, and the wow. fact that Lamar Jackson hasn't won anything in the postseason, he's 0-2 mm-hmm. in the postseason. Yes, he uh, is. I think we could we could get that, into all of this. But... That gives Ravens fans some pause. I'm just saying that you know we we have some legitimate arguments if we're going to go down that path against Ravens fans. We could go with the first. Media. Yeah, we could talk about the first Ratbirds game last year. How how poorly Jackson played versus the Steelers yeah. defense. Yeah. yeah, he he did not play well. He was sacked five times. Uh, yeah, but he was a younger player, a different player. I don't expect the same thing this time. I, I don't anyway. either. Not to that extent. Yeah. In any case, we're getting on out of here. Uh, thank you once again, everybody, for listening to the uh, Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast presented by Deck Roofing Incorporated of South Florida. And hey, go Steelers. Ravens suck. <laughs> <laughs>